What's up? Welcome to Sweathead. I have Emma Brooks, who's head of marketing at a very interesting company in Canada called Wattpad. And she became head of marketing after spending about 11 years in advertising, uh, including in strategy roles. So welcome, Emma. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. We're going to talk about what it's like on the other side, because so many people in advertising ruminate, daydream, stare at trees trying to find rainbows and hoping at the other end of that rainbow is an answer to the question, what am I going to do when I leave the agency world and should I leave it now? So we're going to talk about that today. But before we get into that, I am so curious about Wattpad and I'd love you just to explain to us what it is, how many people are using it, how it's using it. And then I'd love to spend a few minutes digging into the, the different genres of of stories that are being told there. So just give us an, an overview of Wattpad is to start. Yeah, for sure. So Wattpad is a reading and writing social platform. And what that means is that anyone can open an account and read or write stories. Um, when we talk about stories, we talk about usually long form narrative fiction. So we focus a lot on the fiction side of the literary world. And we have, you know, over 70 million monthly users at this point that use Wattpad. And they are coming from literally almost every country in the world, the exceptions of, you know, North Korea and China, essentially. Um, so we have a massive community of people that love to read and write stories. And it's been such an interesting experience joining a company like this that has such a massive footprint, but probably most people haven't heard of it before. Mm. Yeah, that's true. And, and even, I mean, you know, the guys up at Shopify in Toronto, a lot of people know Shopify. It's, it's kind of, it seems massive once you hear about it, but then a lot of people don't know about it as well. It's like Canada's got a whole tech scene that I don't think America pays much attention to. Not that it's about America, but I happen to be living there right now. Yeah. You mentioned that you have 70 million monthly users around the world. Are there countries that might surprise people in their frequent use of Wattpad? Absolutely. Uh, when I talk to people, they're usually blown away to find out that while the U.S. is our largest from a number standpoint, we are huge in Southeast Asia. So Philippines and Indonesia are our second and third largest countries, huge in South America. So Brazil is a huge country for us. And then all over Europe, Africa, Oceania, really interesting, broad global reach. Is there anything that you can pinpoint in the cultures of those of those countries that might lend them to wanting to express on Wattpad? I think a lot of it has to do with uh, mobile adoption. So a lot of these countries didn't necessarily go through the internet dial-up era that you know North America and Europe did, and went straight into mobile use. And so they're very comfortable with their mobile phones. They use it for almost everything that they do. And um, I think reading and writing is just a natural extension. We also have heard from a number of users um, in a lot of the poorer countries that, you know, they learned to read and write English because of Wattpad. You know, they didn't have local libraries that they could go and like, you know, borrow books. So they actually do that through Wattpad. And that's pretty, pretty fulfilling to hear those sorts of stories. Mm. Do you think there's any correlation between more conservative cultures and a need to find some kind of underground on the internet and like-mindedness on the internet where, where Wattpad fulfills that need? Absolutely. One of the things I absolutely love about it is Wattpad is a very safe community. We take a lot of pride in the fact that our community is positive, generally very safe. We hear that a lot from authors that join Wattpad and sign up and put their work out there. And that can be a really scary thing for writers to really put themselves out there, especially stories that, you know, maybe are 
very vulnerable stories and the comments they get are very encouraging, very positive. And we spend a lot of time really trying to craft a community that is positive and happy to have been recognized and, you know, Daily Dot said we were one of the six safest places for LGBTQ youth. And a lot of that is because it is a platform that a lot of younger people use. It's one of the reasons, you know, most people maybe have not heard of Wattpad. What we always joke is like, well, go ask your niece or nephew. They probably know about Wattpad. And it is, you know, a safe space for people to go and express themselves and share stories about their lived experiences uh, that they can't get anywhere else. Do, do most people write in a pen name or do they use their real names? Most of our authors are under pen names. Okay. And when you say, you, you mentioned earlier, a long, long narrative, how many words is that on average? I mean, it really depends on the author's style, but we have stories that easily have a hundred chapters long um, or longer. And I'm not sure if we actually have a limit on number of chapters you can write, but I'm sure some users have tried to push the limits. Okay. And do you know how many people are writing their stories on mobile? Well, writers generally still are writing on desktop primarily, but that's not to say that some of the younger users for sure definitely do write on mobile specifically and like for first. And part of the community experience is that people can share their writing almost as they're doing it and get comments and feedback on it. Can you talk us through the user experience for the author as well as the readers? Yeah. So when we talk about it being a social platform, we do mean that. I mean, you, you sign up and you create a profile and you can follow authors, you can follow books, um, you get notifications when chapters have been updated. Um, there's message boards and ways to leave comments. Um, one of the best ways is we have inline commenting uh, within stories. So each paragraph, you can leave a comment on that paragraph. And that's really exciting for authors because now they know what scenes are actually resonating with their users, what scenes maybe aren't getting the impact that they had hoped. And they can tell that right from the comments. Um, as people are reading through, it can be really fun to be leaving comments like, oh, this paragraph made me laugh or like, I can't believe he said that. And that really allows for that two-way interaction that what we've heard and what we've seen through our research is that really helps authors feel compelled to continue to write compared to sort of the more, you know, literary or individual way of writing where you're writing a story on your desktop by yourself. It's so similar to how stand-up comedians record their sets and listen to the laughs. It's, it's encouraging and it also helps you understand where the heat is and where to focus. Are there any other stories like that that you have about how Wattpad has maybe in an unexpected way helped authors? I mean, we have so many different ways authors can now find opportunity. You know, we have our very first feature film coming out in April globally from one of the biggest stories on Wattpad. So this is for us one of the most exciting moments for the company. It is, you know, our brand promise realized in a lot of ways. So you can start out on Wattpad. Um, Anna Todd wrote this story called After. It has now gone on to be a New York Times bestseller. It's now becoming this feature film. And, you know, when she started, she was a bored housewife living in Texas with, you know, an army husband who was away and was just looking for something to connect with and um, fill her time. And now she has a full-length feature film that is coming out, which is pretty exciting and awesome. And that is sort of the pinnacle of what is possible with Wattpad. But we have so many other ways that authors can be rewarded for, you know, for putting their work up, whether it's through just connecting with, you know, their fans and the community. Um, we have new programs we've launched that are 
you know, users can now pay to access certain chapters. So we're now enabling authors to actually make money right on the platform. Okay. And what are some of the most popular genres or subgenres? So our user base is primarily uh, Gen Z and millennial women. So no surprise, romance is a huge category for us. Fan fiction as well. That is one of our original sort of areas of strength. And if you're not familiar with fan fiction, it is really just borrowing worlds that have already been created by, you know, TV, films, or books, Harry Potter, Twilight, etc., and creating your own stories based on those characters in those worlds. We also have sci-fi, thrillers, horrors, another big one. So we have a lot of different types of genres, but I would say, you know, the biggest one for us is still romance. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm going to pick three of those genres, and I'd love to just pull them apart a little bit. So let's start with romance. What types of stories are appearing and how are the stories on Wattpad in that Roma, romance subgenre different to more mainstream writing? I think a lot of what we hear from our users is there are stories there that they can't get elsewhere. We've heard this through user interviews, you know, um, African-American women who go into a Barnes and Nobles and all they see on the shelves are white women on covers. And there are stories that don't reflect their lived experiences growing up. And so we have stories like that that are written by African-American women for African-American women. And they feel like they can go to Wattpad and find stories that they relate to and characters that they relate to. So I would say that is one sort of subgenre. One of the really interesting trends that also came out from our end of year report last year was Muslim romance. Um, so we're now seeing a surge in people writing and reading stories that feature characters that are Muslim, which is really great. Uh, LGBTQ is obviously always a large area for us. Um, and we're seeing a lot of that um, trans movement as well and stories that reflect sort of that, that movement as well. Mm. It's, it's interesting because it, it's such an obvious thing to say, but at their simplest, stories keep people company and they help them not feel alone and help them not feel abnormal because we all have these crazy inner voices in our heads. I mean, there's entire schools of religion and philosophy built around that fact. But then in day-to-day lives, we're often told that those thoughts are wrong or that we're not supposed to have them or people pretend that they don't have them so that we're, we, we think that we're broken because we have them. And so I guess Wattpad is, just, is, is a place where people can find company not not and not just in stories but in other people who share those stories and it must be extremely heartwarming for people who do feel very isolated in their physical lives yeah it really is and we hear it all the time from our users and that's just so fulfilling it really is one of those wonderful things about working at a company where you believe in the product knowing that people have it, you know, they come to Wattpad and they're like, yeah, I was depressed and I thought I was alone and isolated. And then I found stories that spoke to me on a level that I've never experienced before. And I found people that understood me. It's so good. And it's, it's on my mind because I was, I was just looking at a, a YouTube video by this rapper, West Coast rapper called Hobo Johnson. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Uh, no. And he, but he's really literary and it's had a pretty, pretty crazy life. And he really reminded me of this. Uh, the first time I heard a song by this Minneapolis group called atmosphere and the song was called scapegoat. It was 20 years ago. And both these songs just punched me in the heart because they were people who had kind of a literary bent rapping and being very true to themselves. And one of the first comments under the, this video today that I saw 
was someone saying, you know, I was really depressed and I was preparing to do something about it. And I saw this video and it made me not feel alone. And now I'm good. So I think, you know, a lot of people wonder about how to get their voice out in the world and if their voice belongs in the world. And I guarantee to anyone who's thinking about whether they should write, if you write and put it out there and keep at it, you will affect people's lives in such a bizarre, powerful mm-hmm. way. And it's only bizarre because we pretend it's not normal. And anyway, anyway it's, it's kind of an, an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. Okay, what about fan fiction? Teach me about that. You've already taught me a little bit about it in our chats, but teach me about yeah. what is going on in fan fiction right now on Wattpad. I think young people today are more interested and excited by celebrities than perhaps in some time. Uh, you hear about this whole stan culture. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but people, young people love writing about celebrities that they love, that they have crushes on, that, you know, they want to feel connected to in a way. And stories are a great way to do that. Stan culture, that's an Eminem reference. It is. Yeah. If you stand someone, you really, really, really like them and you want to support them. Oh, and if you, if you stand someone, can you, can you ship it? You, I mean, you could ship them with yourself or you could ship them with someone else for sure. Yeah. Um, uh, sorry, I just wanted to use that. I learned it from a 12-year-old the other day. Yeah. So we have stan culture in fan fiction. What else is going on? Are there certain themes within fan fiction? Are there, are there themes that were hot three years ago within fan fiction that have disappeared and new themes that have popped up? Yeah, I can't speak to sort of, I would say the last six months, but what we did see you know, several years ago was one direction was massive it was huge on our platform and you know over time that sort of waned a little bit although it's still a very massive community and bts really overtook it uh you know sometime probably late 20 late 2016 i would say early 2017 Hmm. and within romance and fan fiction how do people write about sex So Wattpad allows for mature stories. They have to be marked mature, which means if you are under 18, you can't actually access those stories. But there's, it's all ranges. It's everything from, you know, G-rated romance all the way up to R-rated. Okay. And are there certain, I only ask that. It's not to be strange or dirty. It's just that if you've got a young group who are, Sometimes some of some of the cultures that you've described, some of the countries, they might seem conservative. And then there's a certain liberty in exploring yourself online through words. And I was just curious how that side of things, it shouldn't even be a taboo topic, but how, like how that side of things comes to light, often in, in an anonymous way without people watching over your shoulder. Definitely. I, you know, I don't think we have any data that sort of backs it up, but from sort of what I've observed in my own, frankly, my own personal experience is that it is a very safe way to explore sort of sexuality. And we do see a correlation between sort of some of those more conservative countries and the types of stories that they like to read, like Philippines loves romance stories. Um, And I think a lot of it has to do with it's not um, you know, necessarily allowed to date in your teens in the Philippines, from what I understand, at least. Mm. Are there certain themes that pop up? And I'll give you an example. So I've spent a little bit of time around the Korean culture, and there was definitely a generation of TV shows where I would, I would, I would joke about it. It's not to be mean. My Korean people know that I'm not mean about it. It's just, it was just interesting. A lot of Korean drama features families and siblings that were torn apart that somehow meet each other in really weird ways when they're a little bit older and there's often a car crash involved 
there was like this <laughs> spate of TV shows and movies. I mean, Old Boy was a little bit uh, carried some of those themes, uh, and, and I think a lot of that's just you know Korea's been under pressure for for such a long time by bigger powers. It was a hermit kingdom for four hundred years. And then the North and South divided. And so there was a lot of division of family. Are there themes that you can point to at that specific level within the stories that do well in the Philippines, for example? I don't know specifically about the Philippines, but there's definitely tropes out there that we see often in stories. You know, uh, they have to pretend to be boyfriend, girlfriend for some reason uh, and then fall in love. You know, that sort of trope. We do see some of that quite a bit as opposed to not being boyfriend and girlfriend or not falling in love? What, what's the trope there? So the trope being that they have to pretend to like each other and to be dating to achieve some sort of objective when, you know, really they don't like each other, but then they secretly do like each other in the end. I think it's interesting that to all the boys I've loved before, which was a huge hit on Netflix this last year, had that exact trope. And what's forcing them together? Are they spies on secret missions or something? (laughs) Usually it's a lot less uh, interesting than that. Usually it's to make someone jealous uh, or fulfill some sort of, you know, agreement or promise. And what about the LGBTQ genre? What's happening with that? How have the stories changed in the past few years? Because obviously there's been a lot of cultural change. Yeah, I think we're seeing more openness towards, you know, some of the areas of the LGBTQ community that maybe in the past haven't been historically talked about. Really great example is one of um, the stories that's really popular right now, Wattpad features an asexual character. And I think that's an area of the LGBTQ community that, you know, is still a bit taboo. And it's something that people are still, you know, feeling the need to talk about and break down barriers and normalize asexualness and I have no idea if that's the right term, apologies, um, asexuality. What are ways that people use Wattpad to tell their stories differently than they might if they publish straight to an ebook or to print? So one of the great things about Wattpad is because you get user feedback as you're writing it. Sometimes authors will change their story entirely. I've heard writers say that their fans had guessed the ending for the story. So you know, hell or high water, they were not going to give them that ending because they love to surprise their fans. So they actually decided to change the ending completely as they are writing it based on that sort of interaction and people guessing what was going to come. Another really interesting thing that we've been exploring in the last couple of years is we launched a second storytelling app called Tap and it is interactive storytelling. So it is, you know, using your phone to its full capabilities to bring stories to life. And what I mean by that is, you know, the basic method is text messages back and forth between characters to move a plot along. But we have incorporated things like video calling. So we have video now within these stories, making it look like people are switching between applications to discover a hint or a clue as to where a character is. Um, And it's really about immersive storytelling by using, you know, your phone in different ways through the app. Do you see the author in those interactions or is it just... Is the author implying a character? So usually we've been commissioning these stories. Um, so we've actually been filming them. So it's us playing around with the medium of storytelling and, and moving beyond just text to try to see different ways people engage with stories and understand how they might consume stories differently. Right, right, right. Uh, and does Wattpad deal much with nonfiction, even b- basic essays, for example? Not really. Not to say that we would ever discourage anyone from writing nonfiction on our platform. And in fact, we've had um, 
some interesting, you know, authors come out or use Wattpad to publish nonfiction, but we really do want to focus on the fiction world. And what are some of the main obstacles that people who want to write face before writing? So I think if, you know, if you're a writer, you know how hard it can be to write a story, to either stay focused or to stay inspired or to get it onto paper in a way that you want. And so I think one of the great things about Wattpad is a lot of writers use it to help encourage them to continue to write because they know they have people now that are waiting for that next update in that next chapter. And it really does spur them along. Writers also rely on the Wattpad community to give them good feedback. So, you know, we do have a number of readers that will leave helpful critiques. You know, this character felt a little underdeveloped or this scene just wasn't playing right. And they actually use that to help inform and edit their writing. And what, what about copyright? I think a lot of writers who've been around for a while would worry about sharing their work. Uh, but one, one thing that, that loosened me up a little bit, even though I've put a lot of stuff on the internet over the years, is I read some research recently that an, an author had done, just a small survey, online survey, and the number one reason, according to this person's research, that people buy a book, for example, is to support the author. And that might be a really obvious thing, and it wasn't a huge survey. It was a couple hundred people, I think. But if people are mainly buying something from someone who wants to print something to sell, then whether then maybe there's a benefit to a lot of people reading it before it even exists as a product. Like it changes the whole game in a lot of respects, even though it's a very simple fact slash insight. Definitely. We, we actually have done some of our own research around this. And what we know is that our community is excited to buy the physical product, even if they read it on Wattpad for free. You know, we do have a number of authors who have, you know, we've either brokered or they've gone and found their own publishing deals. So, you know, we've had a number of deals, publishing deals come out of Wattpad Studios, which is one of our business arms. And we actually just launched Wattpad Books uh, last week. So we are actually getting into the publishing world ourselves. And we picked six first-time authors to publish their stories. So there's a lot of things we do on Wattpad to help mitigate some of the fears of maybe plagiarism. You know, you can't copy and paste text on Wattpad um, to try to prevent, you know, people stealing your work. We also have a full support team to help you. If you do discover work has been plagiarized, you can file a DCMA, you know, takedown request and we comply with those. But really for us, it's about the benefits of putting it out there. We know that our community you know, once they connect with an author they love, they want to support them to more traditional sort of means. Do you have a sense of the types of contracts that you're striking with the authors? Are they any different to a traditional publisher, for example? So that really depends on like the book deal, I would say. One of the things that we're very focused on at Wattpad, though, is being a writer first company. We want to make sure that the deals we, you know, negotiate with and on behalf of writers on our platform are beneficial do get them what they need. And we pride ourselves on the fact that we feel we understand writers in a way that maybe not other companies do. Okay. Sounds so good. What led you to Wattpad? So I'd been in advertising for over a decade. And I think for me, I always thought I would be in advertising my entire career. I love advertising. I love marketing and advertising and sort of that intersection of business and art. And I think it was funny. I, there's a few sort of signals that kind of were coming to me around the same time. One of them was Heather's strategist survey, probably about three years ago now. Mm-hmm. I remember I, I had offered to help out. And one of the reasons for that was like, I wanted to get the data. 
and I helped out. And I remember one of the areas that I was helping her compile sort of some of the data results was around the trends within strategy and people. Uh, the question was specifically, are you planning to leave the advertising industry in the next 12 months? And I remember over half the respondents said yes. And that to me was shocking that that many people are contemplating leaving the industry. And I think it was coming at a time when, you know, larger agencies were starting to fall apart a little bit. There's a lot more stress. The work-life balance was always a challenge. And I remember the follow-up question to that survey question was, what type of companies would you want to, you know, work at if you were to leave the advertising industry? And it was Facebook, Google, you know, YouTube, Instagram, Uber, all, all sort of the big tech companies you can think of. And I remember thinking, my God, like this industry is changing and it's struggling. And I feel like clients are taking more and more things in house. And I actually felt like this was a sinking ship and I want it off. Hmm. Oh, that feeling. Well, first of all, <laughs> and first, first of all, Heather is Heather Lefevre. And for those who don't know, she's an, a strategist and an author of a book, Brain Surfing. And you can check out an interview that well, we did together uh, on the podcast. You can, you can find that on iTunes and Spotify. Uh, and, and Heather put this salary survey or strategy survey, which was largely about strategist salaries and various other things together for several years to help people work out how much they should be earning and how, how to negotiate. Uh, and also to, to track to some degree the mood of, of people, which is what you're talking about, Emma. That sinking ship feeling is like when you're in it and you feel it, I felt it and I felt that I shouldn't be feeling it. And it's just odd because there are so many good, compassionate, creative spirits in that world, good brains, powerful brains. And so many of them, if they've stuck around, feel further away from doing the work that got them in the industry in the first place. And and we've talked about this in in other interviews as well, like the one with Lucy Cochran, it's an awkward role to jump out of. And I, I do think there are certain life stages where it's a bit easier. And I think in your mid to late 20s, the tech companies might take you a little bit more seriously. But there's a risk that if you stay in a strategy role for 10, 15 years, you're stereotyped and you're typecast and they, other companies might not see you as being relevant to, for example, a marketing role. Mm-hmm. What kinds of thoughts were on your mind as you prepared to, well, jump ship? Yeah, I think part of it was, and I'll just add to that, part of it was also clarifying what my career ambitions were for myself. And I had this realization that I did one day want to be a CEO. And the idea of being a CEO of an ad agency filled me with dread. I remember very distinctly a CEO of a past agency I worked at talked about his job. And he said, you know, my job is I basically have this bucket of water and there's a hole at the bottom and there's water leaking out. And my job is to continue to find more water to fill it with. And I just thought, holy smokes, that sounds like the worst job in the world. Mm -hmm. So I knew that I wanted to move up and I knew that I wanted a management role, but I knew that it wasn't in an ad agency, which was really unfortunate because as I said before, I love advertising. You know, it was really painful for me to decide to leave the industry, but that was really helpful. And so I went on a six-month journey where I was meeting with a lot of different companies, different people, trying to understand what you know the tech industry was really like. Is it even possible for me to move into the tech industry? Did I have the right skill sets they were looking for? I had a sense of the type of role I was looking for. I was looking for probably a brand manager role, 
at a larger company because I knew small tech companies are not in the mindset of brand. And I knew I wanted to work on brand. Yeah, I speak to a lot of people who say they looked at their bosses or their boss and thought, you know what, I don't want to be like that. I don't want that life. Mm -hmm. They don't seem happy or whatever the reasons are. And it's not that everyone's like this. It's just the people I've spoken to who've made that observation have observed that the bosses in the roles that they thought they wanted when they were younger didn't seem to be enjoying life, maybe in second, third divorce, whatever it is. And so they're like, yeah, I'm going I'm to explore something else. Uh, you mentioned that that shift was painful. What made it painful? I think a lot of it had to do with letting go of what I thought my life was going to be like for my entirety of my career. I'd always planned to stay in advertising. I knew I wanted to work in advertising when I was 15. So I'd never imagined a life where I wasn't in advertising. And I think a lot of that uh, mourning was also mixed with fear of moving into a new industry where I didn't understand the way things worked um, and I didn't understand the jargon. Also mixed with curiosity, I think one of the other reasons I decided to leave advertising is I was really curious to know how companies worked. You know, I think advertising agencies, from my experience, are very weird beasts. And, you know, now having worked at an actual company instead of working on various companies' brands and marketing plans, I have a much better sense as to how larger companies work um, and how decisions are made. Because I remember always being really frustrated with, you know, making recommendations to clients that I really believed was the right move and it would never go anywhere. And I didn't fully understand the context to which my clients were operating in. And so, and I knew I had a very narrow view of what their world was. Mm. So I really was curious about, you know, what is, what is beyond just the one little slice of advertising or marketing that I see in these companies? What is the full picture? Okay. Yeah. I do think the idea of identity and letting go, who, who am I and what expect, expectations will I have to relinquish? And am I going to be moving into something that is more or less important in my mind, in other people's minds? And does that even matter? To whom does it matter? Like it's such a riddle for people. And I don't think we talk explicitly enough about these shifts being shifts about who you are. Because that's what, it, yeah. that's what it is. What is something about the decision-making process outside of an agency in a bigger company that you can help agency people understand? Product rules the show, mm -hmm. generally speaking, I would say. And it really depends as well on the co-founders or the founders. Generally, most tech companies, I would say a large portion of them, are founded by engineers who want to build something really interesting and exciting. And so the culture there is product is king. And I think it's been a really interesting shift because from my experience working in agencies, you have obviously the creative teams that are sort of hailed as heroes in a lot of ways. And then you have the strategists that a lot of people are, you know, I think especially more junior people say like, well, if I'm a smart person, I should be a strategist because that's a smart person job. And I remember I'd always, when I worked in advertising, always have people reaching out wanting to pick my brain about what it was like to be a strategist because it just seemed like the coolest job. And the shift moving into a tech company was the cool jobs are the product managers. They're the ones that make a lot of the decisions and have the influence, whereas I think previously was strategists in my old world. Yeah, I, I bought into, well, first of all, I did like digital work for about 10 years and most of that was product, but we just didn't call it that back then. <laughs> That's right. kind, of, kind of a more recent time. And then when I moved into advertising in my late, in my mid to late twenties, I, I bought into the idea of doing advertising and trying to create useful things that you could also try to help make famous. And in America, I, I remember early meetings on, in Silicon Valley where the marketing teams had no access to the product and they would give us problems to solve. 
and we would come at it through the product and then through the brand or through the brand and then through the product, they just wanted social media calendars. And I was like, oh God, right. that's not what I moved countries for. It was such a letdown. So when someone asks you the question, what's it like on the other side? What do you talk to them about? And, and even like, what questions do you ask them back? A lot of the questions I would ask back are on motivations. You know, what are they looking for? On the other side, I can say, I feel like I have so much more context into how at least Wattpad works and the decisions and the way they're made that I never would have had had I, say, just been a strategist working on Wattpad as an ad agency. Um, so I feel I've learned so much that way. I feel like there's work-life balance is a wonderful, wonderful thing that I don't think I could ever go back to an ad agency for that fact alone. And I think being closer to a product and to the impact that product has has been incredibly fulfilling. And I guess that's magnified based on the community that the product serves, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, Wattpad is a very special product in a lot of ways. When people bring you that question, what's it like on the other side? And then they make a decision. Have you seen situations play out where they've ended up making the wrong decision and switching sides and then switching back? And what, what happens? I haven't seen a ton of examples of that, but I have seen a few. And I think a lot of it has to do with that adjustment period. You know, the way that tech companies work, they're very results focused. Um, in my experience, a lot of tech companies are very much looking for if I do A, B will happen and I have the data now to prove that. And I think when you're looking at tech companies and you're looking at something like brand building, which takes a lot longer to see results and is a lot more indirect, harder. So I think there's, I definitely have had a lot of conversations with people that, you know, love brand, but work in tech companies and it's a common theme to hear that like they just don't get it and that's hard that can be frustrating and i think some people decide they don't want to deal with that frustration so they go back mm. does that mentality of a plus b equals result therefore we do more of that does that ever lead to blind spots for sure all right last question do you think that that shift from agency to I guess what we would call client side. It's one of those weird phrases that I find awkward to mm -hmm. use, but it exists. Do you find that there are certain life stages where that shift from agency to client side might be easier? Yes, I think you know my my advice to people that are potentially looking to make the move is, and what I hear a lot from them is, I don't know if my skill set is useful. You know, I don't know if this is what they want or need. And I would say, especially if you're coming from a strategy background where you've worked on a number of different clients, it's actually incredibly valuable to have such a wide variety of experiences under your belt because people that kind of grow up in the tech world, they have one way of looking at things. And I think having that, that breadth of knowledge and experience is really helpful. And so you know, you're usually talking to people that have been in the industry for, you know, a decade-ish and are contemplating that life move, whether it's for family reasons or personal interest. Very, very cool. Um, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at EJ Brooks. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, thank you very much for joining us today. I hope everyone scurries to Wattpad and delves into an unusual, unexpected subgenre for them and explores the community there because it is an amazing thing. And I, it's such a beautiful thing when people who aren't surrounded by people with whom they can share their ideas and their lives can find people sometimes a continent away. And Wattpad definitely provides that. So may you continue to do great things there, Emma. Thank you so much. All right. Peace.